Jesus told his disciples as part of a long conversation. If you'll turn your Bibles to, to John chapter 16. He, he told his disciples as part of a long conversation in John chapter 16, beginning with verse 12. He said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. What the Godhead wanted us to know, the doctrine, the truth, is found in the pages of the New Testament, inspiredly written down for us by the apostles and disciples so that we can know how to obey God, how to love God and be with God forever. But what about the Old Testament? What about the Old Testament? Is it a collection of old books used only to, to make our Bibles heavier? Or does it have real value for the Christian today? I believe the Old Testament has so much to offer today's Christian. And I I want to show you how by showing you Jesus in the Old Testament. This is such a large topic. And the scriptural evidence is so large that will back up the focus of finding Jesus that I have had to simplify the process and come up with a three-point plan to convey the message to you today. Three points that will in no way cover or, or mention all the long lists of scriptural evidence, but will give you an overview of why the Old Testament is important to us today. What examples are there of Jesus in the Old Testament? And when a particular instance happened when Jesus was preached from an Old Testament passage in the New Testament. Why is the Old Testament important to the Christian today? Granted, it is true that Christians are not under the old law anymore. Gentile Christians in the first century never were. The Old Testament law covenant was made with the children of Israel on Mount Sinai. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. And before them, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, they were never under the Old Testament law. Through Jesus Christ, Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, Jesus, who became our Savior, by whom Christians have been delivered from the Old Testament law, that law was nailed to the cross, and that Jesus died on, Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. So if we don't follow the Old Testament anymore, why do we even bother and need to be even looking at it? If Jesus nailed it to the cross, what good is it for us today? If we had an Old Testament Bible class, would we even have cause to attend it? First, the Old Testament was written for our admonition, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. 
Speaking of Old Testament examples, Paul tells the Corinthians, now all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our admonition, he says. What we call the Old Testament, he says, was written for us. And admonition is a, is, is a mild warning. They were written for our admonition, for a warning to us. We are being warned by the Old Testament about, about how God is, who God is, and, and what God can do if we disobey. But also what God can do if we will obey. And we had better pay attention. You know, the Old Testament was written as a warning and also written for our learning. In Romans chapter 15, Paul quotes a prophecy about Jesus from the Old Testament, Psalm 69 verse 9. He quotes this prophecy and then notice what he says very carefully from Romans chapter 15 verse 4. For whatever things were written were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. The patience and comfort of what Scriptures? What Scriptures is he talking about? The Old Testament passages. That's what he's talking about. They were written for our learning, the Apostle Paul says. Notice in 2 Timothy chapter 3 what the Old Testament does for the Christian. Paul told Timothy, he, he, Timothy, had known the Holy Scriptures since childhood. Well, what Scriptures? What Scriptures had, had Timothy known since childhood? Well, the Old Testament Scriptures. And he tells Timothy, the Old Testament can make you wise, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Salvation is in Christ and the Scriptures declare Him to us. All Scripture. That's the next words out of Paul's mouth. Notice now, all Scriptures, which would include the Old Testament, all Scriptures, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul is not saying we need to know the Old Testament to be saved. One must obey the gospel found in the New Testament to be saved. But to be complete, to grow as, as individuals, to grow as, as a congregation, the way our elders want us to grow this year, so like Timothy, we can be complete, thoroughly equipped. The Old Testament is there for our wisdom. In our learning. To not read the Old Testament is to deprive ourselves of much needed warnings, much needed learning, much needed wisdom. In Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews, Paul, in Acts chapter 17, verse 2, went there for three Saturdays and he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Well, what scriptures? What scriptures did he read? What, what scriptures could these be but the Old Testament scriptures? Apollos in Acts chapter 18 verse 28 vigorously refuted the Jews publicly showing from the scriptures 
that Jesus is the Christ. What would Apollos have used in the way of scriptures? The Old Testament. When Paul planted and Apollos watered, they used at times the Old Testament and God gave the increase. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 10, after Paul left Thessalonica, he and Silas went to Berea. And there, verse 11, and these in verse 11 were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word, and that would be the new Holy Spirit-given word, okay? They received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures, that's the Old Testament, daily to find out whether these things were so. They leave us with an example, even today, to not just take my word for something, but for you here at Fountainhead and you who attend other places to search the Scriptures, find out if what I'm saying is right or not. What things would they have searched? What things would they have been looking for? What, what things would they have searched the Scriptures to find out about, to see if those things were so? Well, those things that those in Thessalonica were not so fair about. Namely, the gospel. Acts chapter 17 and verse 3. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Is the gospel in the Old Testament? Can we find the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament? Paul declared to all that he could. Acts chapter 17 Verse 3, that the Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. The Messiah is the Hebrew word for anointed one. The Greek word for it is Christ. Christ, the anointed one. That's in Greek. Messiah, the anointed one. That's in Hebrew. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, there was a regular anointing of oil. There was this regular anointing of oil. If you were a guest in someone's home or, or if you were being, being buried... You would have been anointed with oil. Mark chapter 14 verse 8. There was a medical anointing for the sick or the wounded that was not necessarily with oil. Maybe with spices or or some other medicine. James chapter 5 verse 14. Then there was a sacred anointing to dedicate a thing or, or, or a person to God. Genesis 28 verse 18. The stone Jacob used as a pillow was anointed. But more importantly, prophets, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 16. Priests, Leviticus 8, verse 12. And kings, 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 16. They were anointed. The Lord's anointed was a, was a common term for, for the king, 1 Samuel 12, verse 3. The Old Testament points toward a coming redeemer called the Messiah, the anointed. While the New Testament shows that Jesus is the expected Messiah or Christ. What scriptures could Paul and Apollos have used to prove that Jesus was the Messiah? What scriptures were searched by the Bereans to show that Jesus was the Christ? How could they have read the Old Testament and matched it to the death, burial, and resurrection of the Anointed One? In Psalm 41, verse 9, David wrote, My close friend whom I trusted, he who shared my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. David is referring to his own friend, 
Ahithophel, 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse, verse 12. But Jesus uses this passage to refer to his betrayal by Judas. And when Jesus quotes this passage in John chapter 13, verse 18, he said the scripture was being fulfilled. Jesus quoted Old Testament scripture to show how it was being fulfilled in his own life. Psalm 22, which I have on the screen, is a clear reference to the death of Jesus. Verse 16, it says, They pierced my hands and my feet, which is, which is an obvious reference to the, to the crucifixion. As the manner of Jesus' death, John chapter 20, verse 20. Psalm 22, verse 7 and 8. All those who see me ridicule me. They, they shoot out the lip. They shake their head saying, I like, I, like, I like the way that is portrayed right there. Can you see them? Can you see them shooting out their lip and shaking their head? Can you see them? Being so mean to him while he hung on the cross, they shake their heads saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. These are the very sneering words that those who crucified Jesus said. Matthew chapter 27, verse 43. Psalm 28, verse verse 18. They divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. This, this, this very detail of the death of Jesus is fulfilled in Matthew chapter 27, verse 35. Even his dying words on the cross, Psalm 22, verse 1, are repeated in Matthew 27, verse 46. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In Acts chapter 2, verse 31, Peter preaching the first gospel sermon, telling the people on the day of Pentecost that they killed the Christ. And Peter uses Psalm 16 to tell of the the burial and and the resurrection of Jesus. Psalm 16, beginning with verse 9, Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. In in fact, not only the gospel can be seen as we search for it in the Old Testament, but the whole gospel dispensation can be seen in the prophecies. There's prophecies about this too. The whole gospel timeline can be seen. It's too quoted by Peter, an uneducated fisherman, whom had just received the promised Holy Spirit who would bring all things to his remembrance as was, as was promised to him. Where in Acts chapter 2 verses 16 through 21, Peter quotes from the prophetic Joel chapters of, of 2 and 3 that the Lord will pour out his Spirit on all the people and all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. When we are baptized, Acts chapter 2 verse 38, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit When we are baptized, Acts chapter 22, verse 16, our sins are washed away and we call on the name of the Lord. In our time, Joel encourages us as well. Joel chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, he says, Swing the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Fountainhead, the harvest is ripe here in Portland. It is ripe. He says, there are multitudes in the valley of decision. You may very well be in that valley of decision today. There are multitudes there. And they must know the gospel. These and numerous other Old Testament passages 
too numerous to mention. I've just, I've just listed a few on the screen. Too, too, too many to, to put all on one screen. These and numerous other Old Testament passages, too numerous to mention in the time that we have, are what the Bereans nobly searched for. These passages and others are what Paul and Apollos used to prove that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Anointed to be a prophet, a priest, a king, all in one. We have seen why we should study the Old Testament and what scriptures were used to reason that Jesus was the Messiah. Now I want to focus on when... A particular instance happened when Jesus was preached from an Old Testament passage. In Acts chapter 8, Philip was told to go along the southern road that led from Jerusalem to Gaza. If you'll turn to Acts chapter 8, we'll pick up with verse 27. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning, and sitting in his chariot, he was ready. Excuse me, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, "Go near and overtake this chariot." So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and said, "Do you understand what you're reading?" He said, "How can I unless someone guides me?" And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture where he read was this: He was led as a sleep as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this of, himself or, or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus. To him. Philip did not begin in the New Testament. There was no formal canon of books called the New Testament yet. Philip began at that scripture, an Old Testament passage, and preached Jesus to the Ethiopian treasurer. Isaiah prophesied during the last years of the northern kingdom of Israel but ministered to the southern kingdom of Judah who was following the sinful path led by Israel who was being conquered by the Assyrians. Isaiah's prophecy is very powerful. You know, I read this about the book of Isaiah. It's like a miniature Bible in its outline because the first 39 chapters are filled with the judgments on Judah and the surrounding nations while the last 27 chapters declare a message of hope. The Old Testament is made up of 39 chapters, while the New Testament is made up of 27. The Old Testament is for our admonition, while the New Testament tells of the hope that we find in Jesus and how to get it. Philip began there in, in Isaiah 53, and he preached Jesus to the eunuch. I don't know if Philip backtracked from Isaiah 53 and picked up Isaiah 2, where he prophesies of the glorious gospel age. I don't know if Philip picked up Isaiah's chapter, Isaiah chapters 4, 5, and 6 where the Messiah is represented as a branch that grows up out of the stump of the family tree of David. 
I don't know if Philip picked up and told the eunuch of, of, of chapter 7 where the virgin would be with, with child and call his name Emmanuel. Or, or chapter 9 where the child would be wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. How in chapter 11 verse 2 the spirit of the Lord would rest on him and how on Holy Zion, chapter 25, verses 6 through 8, the Lord would swallow up death forever. Chapter 26, verse 1, the dead will live, their bodies will rise. I don't know if he got to tell the Ethiopian eunuch about that. I don't know if if he backtracked from Isaiah 53 and, and got into any of those passages. I don't know if Philip backtracked from Isaiah 53 to Isaiah 35 where Isaiah prophesies what Jesus would tell the, the servants of John. The eyes of the blind are opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Deaf, deaf unstopped. The, the lame leap like a deer and the mute shout for joy. And there will be a highway there, Isaiah 35 verse 8, a highway of holiness. I don't know if Philip told of the tenderness of Jesus, how Isaiah chapter 40 verse 11, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. I don't know if Philip went back just a few verses from where the Ethiopian eunuch was reading and told Jesus, and told the, the eunuch that Jesus would be a covenant for the people and a light to the Gentiles. Isaiah 42 verse 1. I don't know if Philip told the eunuch all this. But he could have. Because it's true. It's in the Bible. No, maybe... Philip started there in Isaiah 53. Just like, just like Acts says. He started there in Isaiah 53. And he told, verse 3, how Jesus was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Philip, Philip must have mentioned, verse 4, how Jesus bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Verse 5, he, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our sins. And by his stripes we are healed. And how, verse 6, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He had to have told him, verse 8, he was killed because of the sins of the people. And verse 9, they made his grave with the wicked. Maybe he compared the life of Jesus then to the next scriptures that Isaiah mentions. In Isaiah chapter 60, verse 20, the Lord will be your everlasting light and your days of sorrow will end. And how... Isaiah 62 verse 2, we will be called by a new name. The new name that we are called by was first mentioned in the Old Testament. We don't know all that Philip preached that day. But we know that when he was finished preaching, when he finished preaching Jesus to the eunuch, The eunuch knew he had to do something that was not written in Isaiah nor anywhere else in the Old Testament. Acts chapter 8 verse 36 Now as they went down the road they came to some water and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? The eunuch wanted to obey from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered, Romans chapter 6, verse 17. In keeping with the teachings of Jesus, Jesus, Philip said, If you believe, if you believe with all your heart, you may. Philip began in Isaiah and taught Jesus to the man. 
He passed on the doctrine, the teachings he knew to be true. Where Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Philip knew the eunuch must believe before he was baptized. He knew he must believe before he was baptized. And he knew that he must be baptized before he could be saved. Without belief, you are damned. Without belief, baptism is a formality. Without belief, you're just getting wet. After all the teachings from the Old Testament and the new commands of Jesus, the eunuch said, verse 37, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And in verse 38, Philip baptized him. Notice, this study started in the Old Testament. Right? That's where this study started. I believe we could start from any passage in the Bible, no matter how obscure, and wind up telling somebody about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe the Bible, the Word of God, is that powerful. It's that complete. It's that joined. In the New Testament of Jesus Christ, we have a common salvation. Jude 3, which was once for all delivered to the saints. Why do we study the Old Testament? Well, it's for our admonition. It's for our learning. It's for for our benefit. What we learn when we do study the Old Testament passages is the mind of God. And faith is increased because we see how faithful God is. And when we preach Jesus, the gospel, the the death, the burial, the resurrection is to be included for it's God's power to save. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. Notice in Acts chapter 8 Verse 39, after he was baptized, the eunuch went on his way rejoicing, it says. You can too. It has been declared to you what you must do to be saved. You have been guided into all truth. Obey that truth right now.